Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hey, welcome back to the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani, uh, and with me as always is Alan. Good evening. And Fred. Good evening, all. And guys, we are rolling along in the season here. We're almost through the month of May, and really it's just been the same old song and dance with this Braves team the entire year. They're completely frustrating uh, to watch. They'll win a couple, make you think that they've figured something out, and then they'll lose three in a row. Um, it, it's just a really you know, roller coaster type team. They can't find any kind of consistency. So, you know, I don't really want to talk <laughs> too much about it tonight with fear of just being too pessimistic. But, I mean, they're coming off a series against the Mets where the Mets did everything in their power to allow them to win that series, gain some ground in the division with all the injuries that they have. Didn't have to face DeGrom, didn't have to face Stroman, and the Braves still find a way to lose that series. So, uh, Alan, it's really just the same thing we've talked about all year. Uh, just can't find any consistency with this team, not beating teams that they should. Uh, and that's just a bad, bad recipe for a team trying to win a division and has big, high hopes going into the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I was about to say too, is that they should be beating teams like the Mets right now because, I mean, in addition to the guys you mentioned, they didn't have Nimmo, they didn't have uh, Conforto, they didn't have uh, Jeff McNeil who always kills us. And yet somehow, some way, they had just enough offense, the Mets did, to uh, overcome the Braves in two out of the three games. And it was only a, a walk off at the ninth inning to uh, save us from the third game. So I'm, I'm not real happy about the way that uh, worked, obviously. And now here we come with the Pirates, and uh, that's another team that they uh, should at least take three out of the four games on. And and even as we're talking right now, yes, the Braves have a lead. It's three to two. So it isn't like uh, (laughs) they're stomping on these guys. Yeah, it's Drew Smiley pitching, but, hey, Smiley's only given up two, so – that that's okay. You you think that would be helpful, and and the offense should do something. But uh, again, this is where we are. So, I'll, I'm going to say a word about uh, some of the things that we've been seeing on Twitter. Twitter users have been clamoring for some guys to be called up to to add to the offense, and I've got uh, two questions for them. Number one, who do you want to replace? And number two, who do you want to show up? Orlando Arcia, yeah, he's doing great in, at, at Gwinnett. Hey, so is Johan Camargo. You know how many hits that uh, Camargo has at the major league level so far this year? Zippo. <laughs> so if you think that uh, success at the AAA level is going to translate, there's some evidence that it doesn't necessarily do. Uh, so you, you're going to have to be careful about uh, what you ask for because sometimes you might get it and it may not be what you want. Um, so... I'll stop right there for for the moment, but uh, the the fact is that uh, the Braves are still doing what the Braves are doing, and they're not. Uh, there's not a lot of help coming, probably. 
Yeah, and Fred, we've, we've talked about this. There's just, like Alan said, who are you going to replace? I mean, the, the players that are out there, if they perform to what we expect them to perform, then this team's going to be fine. They're just, a lot of them are underperforming right now. So, uh, I mean, it's really hard to say who are you going to take out if everybody's healthy. Yeah, the, you know, it, the, it's what I wrote about the other day is that we've regressed across the field and the people that you and I expect, well, at least I expected Ozzy to remember how to play baseball at the, when he's standing at the home plate. And so far this year, he doesn't, he hasn't. He's had a couple of hot streaks, but boy, he looks bad at the plate, especially from the left side. Um, and, you know, Dansby's been struggling. Ozuna still hasn't. Still hasn't hit his. When when we were looking for Heredia to come back, saying to add some pop to the lineup, that tells you all you needed to know <laughs> about this lineup. Right. And typically, when a team does that, uh, when the people who had a career year sort of slide back to their norm, other people step forward, and you keep get to go on like that. But they not only slid back to their norm; they went way past that. And the only one really dependable is is Ronnie and uh, and Riley right now. And Riley's hitting to something like a 460 BABIP right now, which we all know from watching Chris Johnson is unsustainable. And he's going to come off that mountain at some time. And the question is whether he can plateau at some kind of reasonable 330 or 340 BABIP and still be the guy and deliver the power. Uh, but the P- you know, they moved him up finally uh, ahead of Dansby. Now they have to jump him over Ozzy and get him in that fourth hole. And then we might as well move Heredia up because he was hitting, or at least he was, a couple of days ago and do that away. But the lineup is just, it's just so frustratingly inconsistent. Uh, uh, Swanson hits, gets two hits, and then he looks like he has, hasn't swung at a baseball in three years. I don't know what to do about him except to say, uh, uh, it's got to get better because, man, it can't get much worse. And the bullpen, bullpen's not been that bad, you know. I mean, Smith had a bad had a bad uh, outing, uh, but Luke Jackson's been pretty good. Uh, they screamed at A.J. Metter after he struck out the two first two men in the inning, <laughs> and, man, and then he threw the ball away, um, and it got in his head. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what to tell him about this. Uh, Snicker said tonight, look, we've got to just send them out there and play. They're, they're big, big boys. They, they're not going to get any better sitting on their bench. They're not going to get any better going out. Send them out, let them play, and, uh, they'll, they'll play their way through this one way or the other. Yeah. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I, I, I have to interject here because we have to have a moment of recognition. Drew Smiley now has a major league base hit. Yeah, it's his first one since 2009. Oh. I thought it was the first one, period. But <laughs> oh no, no, he he had a he had a hit with an RBI in 2009 okay. or 2010 when he was with the Pirates. Okay. So they were calling for the ball. <laughs> I did see that. It was an yeah. ended fielder, but hey, they count. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Please c- carry on. Resume your normal programming. Yeah, pitch- pitchers are trying to make sure they get their hits in this year because it could be the last opportunity that they get. And so brace pitchers have done actually a, a pretty good job this year of hitting the baseball, but back to your point, players, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. Maybe they should be starting every day, but uh, to Fred's point, I mean, that's kind of where I am too. And the kind of the point I was making is, you know, for better or worse, this is the lineup the Braves have. And you just have to keep running them out there and hope that they play to their, their level that they're capable of. I mean, the talent is there. We've seen it. And, you know, we know it's possible 
it's just up to them to get the job done. And, um, you know, we've had some surprises. You talk about, you know, there was going to be some regression and you're hoping that other players step up, you know, coming into the season, we were looking at Riley and Swanson and Riley has, has pulled his weight. He certainly stepped up. Uh, you talk about Dansby, he hasn't, but at the same time, you know, Zuna and, and Ozzy haven't, you know, they've not only have they not been at just their norms, you know, not asking them to do what they've done in the past. Certainly, you know, we knew what Ozuna did in a short sample in 2020 wasn't possible of being repeated, but, you know, he hasn't even been to his career averages. So, you know, you get them up to their career averages, you know, Riley probably regresses to the mean a little bit. Uh, Freddie, you know, gets his average back up there, his, the power numbers and stuff are there. And Ronnie, you know, being Ronnie, I mean, I think, I think this lineup is close. I think it's, uh, you know, can get there. And William Contreras has been, you know, a really good, um, injection into this lineup. He's, uh, brought some, some thump as well. Uh, so I really like having him in there. Wish he would have been there from the start, but, um, we are moving past that now. Uh, and Heredia, I mean, been a, a nice surprise. So, uh, I think this offense is close. Um, but I mean, like Fred said, and like we've talked about in the past, it's, it's just an inconsistent type of offense. You know, even last year, you know, there'd be games where they'd run into a couple of home runs and they're going to put up big numbers. But when those home runs don't come, uh, they're just not going to score a lot of runs. And that's just the way this offense is built. And it's, it's frustrating when it's not going well, but it's, it's really exciting when it is. I think Ozuna needs somebody behind him. Not, it's not protection as such, but I, I look back at Ozuna's bats and he's never been the guy to hold the lineup. He can carry you for a couple of weeks if he gets hot, but he's never been the guy in the lineup that says, okay, team on my back. He had Yelich. He had, he had uh, Stanton. Uh, and, and in St. Louis, he had other players around him. And he was horrible during the season in St. Louis. But during the offseason in St. Louis, he came alive. Everybody else came alive. And I think if the people behind Ozuna pick up, you'll see Ozuna pick up. Until that time, I think he's trying a little too hard sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm with you. I think Ozzy is kind of the key to this whole thing. If Ozzy can, you know, hit like he's capable of, then, you know, you can stick him behind Ozuna. Um, and I think he, you know, provides some protection there. But to this point, Ozzy has not been able to do that on a consistent basis. So, uh, I know he was your key coming into the year, Fred, and I, I still, uh, you know, I think that he is even more so now, especially with Travis Darno not being there. Um, and it, even with TDA being there, I mean, with a catcher, you're not going to play every day, so it's not that consistent protection in the lineup. You know, maybe if Austin keeps hitting like he is and, and provides a little bit more power, you could stick him, um, you know, in there, and maybe he adds some of that protection. Uh, but I really think Ozzy's probably the key that they're looking for, Alan. Yeah, I, I do agree because, you know, with Ronnie up front, you're not going to get a lot of guys up in front of him, although just – blew a uh, scoring opportunity, which that did happen. <laughs> um, you, you need a guy like Ozzy to get on base to allow Fre- Freeman and Ozuna uh, something to, to knock in. And it, it, I, for the life of me, I'm frustrated that uh, we can't get anybody uh, consistent enough to be that on-base guy in the two-hole. And that's been part of the problem because we've got – Essentially the same lineup we did last year, but uh, things are different, and uh, we can certainly debate what's different. But uh, the, the bottom line is, it's just not getting done. Yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't think they're far off. I, I think they're actually getting close to um, 
getting back to the, the lineup that they were last year. So I'm not as concerned with that. I know a lot of concern comes around the bullpen. I know Fred touched on that, and um, I don't think they're as bad as probably the Twitter verse makes it seem, but they also are a big reason why this team continues to struggle uh, and lose games late. You know, for whatever reason, you know, there, there is a lot of bad luck in there. A lot of it's self-inflicted with the errors from, you know, Mentor the other night, and Webb hasn't helped himself out. Um, but Shane Green should be coming on the way. Again, I know he's not really uh, going to be, you know, all that is needed. I think there's something better than him that, that's going to have to happen, but that probably won't come till the deadline. But I, I do think uh, I do think the bullpen is still a question mark and something that, that has to be addressed and needs to be improved. And it's just another area, too, where guys need to step up and pitch like they're they're capable. I mean, that's really just the theme of this Braves team in general is players just aren't stepping up and, and getting the job done like we know they're capable of for, for whatever reason. I, I don't know what that is, but, you know, again, we're a quarter of the way through the season now. Uh, it's time to, to get things going, time to, to really pick it up. Next, I wanted to you know move away from the Braves again. We've kind of you know gone over the same thing week after week now because it really is the same thing with this Braves team. Um, but looking at a you know out you know perspective of the entire league, we really have a I know the word pandemic has been used a lot here lately, but <laughs> almost have a pan, pandemic of no hitters here in Major League Baseball. I believe we have five already uh, on the season. I know we've had a couple of other close calls. Corey Kluber is the latest uh, this week with the Yankees. It, uh, Alan, is this good for baseball, all these no-hitters that we're having? I think his was, his was number six, in fact. Uh, of course, I'm calling it six and a half yeah. uh, with the uh, <laughs> the one that Madison Bumgarner had against us. But uh, <clears throat> I was I, I was skeptical to go there for a while, uh, considering that no hitters can just sort of pop up at any point, really, and you could call them a statistical anomaly. But when you get this many and this short a time period, and now it's almost daily, it seems, um, you kind of have to say there's something else going on here. And I, I still think that there is something in, with a baseball that is is causing problems because again hitting is down league-wide uh it's it's down significantly the worst batting averages we've seen since 1968 and there's a couple reasons for it of course number one is people uh, continue to swing for the fences and not have a decent two-strike approach or anything else like that but the the other problem is that uh something seems to have changed that uh is allowing um pitchers to maybe get a little more spin, maybe a little more movement, and guys that are coming out of the woodwork with getting these uh these no hitters that that normally we wouldn't wouldn't see, I don't believe. So the if, if this continues, we're gonna probably see twenty, maybe. 
I mean, is it possible to get that many? Um, that's kind of the pace we're on right now, which is ludicrous. And I, I gotta think that there's something going on with the baseball that's, that's different. And, and this is where I get a little pet peeve in that, uh, you know, we want to have baseball consistent from era to era as much as we possibly can. So what do we have? We have steroid era where the offense goes nuts. We have a dead ball era way back in, in, in the early 1900s and, and before where nobody was hitting, uh, be, because the ball was uh, simply going as far. Uh, we had uh, last year and the year before, I think, where the, the ball was sort of bouncing out of the stadium like crazy and we have record numbers of home runs. Uh, why are we screwing around with baseball? <laughs> why can't we make it the same every year, doggone it? Uh, so, so that people like us can look at stats from one year to the next and see, hey, this looks equal or, or this guy would have played well in this era and it, he also would play well in our era. That, that kind of a thing. And yet, this is becoming impossible to do because we've got humidifiers or sorry, humidors. We've got, uh, you know, baseballs being wound differently. We got seams being raised in, in places and all of that changes the game. And I, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, purist in that I, I like a well-pitched game as well, but I don't like artificially well-pitched games either. Uh, at the same, same time, I, I like offense. I don't like artificially induced offense from steroids. So I think that uh, we, we need to just stop messing around, stop experimenting, and, and, and just go with the uh, consistency as much as possible in the equipment that's being used, and I'll stop my rant there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good one and one I'm certainly on board with. I mean, why do you keep messing messing with things? Like, I get it. The players change. They're they're bigger now. They're stronger now. Um, you know, you have so much technology with pitchers that they're you know able to figure out how to manipulate the baseball and control the spin and, and all that. But that's just progression of the game. I don't know why they have to continue to make changes to combat that. Um, but I definitely feel like. Something has changed. I don't know if the baseball is the culprit, but this is just, it's just, I don't think it's great for the game. Personally, I'm i am a numb to no hitters at this point. I mean, you look at the list of pitchers who've done it, Joe Musgrove, Carlos Rodon, John Means, Wade Miley, Spencer Turnbull, uh, Corey Kluber. I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't mean as much to me right now. Now, if I'm one of those pitchers, I'm going to, I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it on a wall and let everybody know I threw a no hitter. But Fred, I, I got to think something, whether it's in the baseball or whatever it is that has really helped out the pitchers. I mean, I, I watch a lot of games too, and there's so many balls just dying at the track that I thought were gone off the bat. So I, I tend to think that baseballs are the culprit here, Fred. Yeah. Let's, let's, okay. Let's clarify what happened with the baseballs. Okay. For the, in the, in the, in the, in the broader context. As the, as the company found better of drying the baseball, of drying the leather that went on the baseball, they made it smoother. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't something they tried to do. It's just that the modern techniques of drying the leather, uh, and, and preparing it to go on the ball, uh, that they used because it was more efficient and they could get it done, uh, took, made the ball, um, 
fly faster, made it smoother, and therefore reduced drag. Uh, the other thing that happened is your, the coefficient of restitution of the baseball, uh, there's a middle point, and uh, it's, there's a variance on each side of it that the ball can be in be within specs. Over time, that coefficient of restitution increased because the winding on the ball was slightly tighter. It was still within parameters for the ball, but it was getting closer to the upper edge of the parameter. When they had readjusted the baseball this year, all they did was release the winding on the inside so that the coefficient of restitution returned to closer to the center. It's still about 0.6. It's supposed to be 0.5, but it's really close to the to the middle point, which is where it should, where it was all those years before technology improved things uh, to make the ball fly harder. Now. I haven't looked, I haven't heard any complaints about the seams being too high anywhere, but maybe I missed that because I don't read everything. But I haven't heard pitchers complain, and I haven't heard the hitters complain, and I haven't heard anybody say, well, it's making the ball break an extra two inches or anything. Most of the stuff I hear about the uh, the ball to change the ball is better mechanics and the pitchers, better release points, knowing where to put pressure, and the pitchers are just getting better. The other thing is that, um, and Mark DeRosa made this point the other day. When your average speed of the fastball has jumped from about 92 to near 95, and you've got people rushing it up there at 97, 98, you, you've got to decide to go early. And at the same time, these guys still haven't learned that launch angle is not mean swinging up on the ball. So what you have is more people striking out. Um, and when they hit them, they either pop them straight up, go over the top of them, or they miss them. So I, I think that there's a, that's, the pro, that's the baseball issue from my point of view. Now, these no-hitters, it's horrible for the game because, frankly, uh, most of the pitchers didn't earn it. I heard Ronnie Darling uh, on, the other morning talking about this, and he made a perfect point. He said, look at the lineup of every team in the game. And your lineup used to have guys who got on base. Guys who put the ball in play, they'd bunt, they'd steal a base. They were just the they were the uh, Nick Madrigal kind of hitters, the, the the Tony Gwens. They got on base and they caused things to happen when they got on base. And then you had big guys coming up, and you couldn't uh, you could had to plan for different kinds of batters through your lineup. Now one to nine, you got the same batter. They're all up there with the same swing, trying to do the same thing. They they they're un, they're unbuttoning their top button and going for it. And they don't care as much if the team gets no hit because they don't change their approach to do it. You talked about changing your two-strike approach. When Chipper Jones played and Andrew Jones played and David Justice played, if they were getting no hit, they were going down the bench saying, guys, move around, watch this, choke up on that bat a bit, let's put the ball in play hard, let's get get a hit off of this guy because that's going to change his game. Today you don't see anybody saying that. You don't. They don't. You don't see them trying to do it. You don't see them laying down the bunt. You don't see them choking up on the bat, poking the ball the opposite way. Some of them don't know how, and some of them just don't don't care. They don't think to do it because they haven't done it for years. So your lineups are top to bottom. You pitch the same guy, pitch the same way to the to the number one hitter. You do the number nine hitter. You give him cheese at ninety seven above the lineup. Throw him a, throw him a breaking pitch that falls out of the zone at the bottom. And you're going to get most of them out of the way, and that's why the league's League's average is 235 instead of 255. You just don't, you've got homogenous hitters. Uh, exceptions, of course, there's Acuna and Tatis, but 
the lineups in general are that away. That's what's caused the no hitters, and it's making they make it easier on the pitcher, and pitchers are going to do what's easy. Strikeout rates per game are almost nine now. That yep. is a record territory, uh, which would break the record set in 2019, and the uh, rate in 2020 was right behind that, and the rate for 2018 was right behind that. You get the idea. Uh, every one of the top ten um, strikeout rates um, are in the last ten years. And in fact, if you just if you, I, I said it's almost nine now, right? Just go back to 2010. The rate crested seven for the first time. So in the last decade, we've increased the strikeout rates per game by two per team. That's a huge amount. Yeah, and with that, doesn't come a lot of action. So I, I don't know. For fear of sounding like the old, you know, get off my lawn type of guy, which uh, you know, I, even though oh, I will. Not, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to really get that that moniker as a, this type of podcast, but I don't like where the game of baseball is. Just honestly, um, you know, the style of play, you know, all the strikeouts, not putting the ball in play. Again, I'm going to get killed for this on Twitter, I know, but I watched the Royals play the other night. They bunted on back-to-back batters, and guess what? They scored a run out of it and got another run out of it because they bunted. It, it, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand – like, like I understand, bunting is is not cool, and you, you know you don't want to sacrifice the opportunity to hit a three run homer. But sometimes you got to change things up, and, and the Royals are a different type of offense. They have to rely on on some of that in order to score runs. But there's just no strategy from managers to switch things up to try to manufacture runs. It's it's like Fred said, every batter's going up there with the same mindset, no matter the situation, no matter what's going on. They got one thing on their mind, and that's to try to hit a ball as far as they can. And that's it. And I just think that's terrible a terrible brand of baseball. Um, you know, maybe the kids love it. Maybe the sport's growing because of it. I don't know. And if it is, that's certainly great. But, you know, I'm entitled to my opinion as well. And I'm just not a fan of, of that type of baseball and where the game is going with all of that. Speaking, speaking of that, um, another incident that happened – uh, with involving the Chicago White Sox, it has got a lot of attention. Uh, White Sox are up like 15 to 6 or something against the Twins the other night. So the Twins put a position player on the mound, and in a 3 0 count, Yermin Mercedes launches a ball coming in at like 45 miles an hour for a home run. And this had everybody in an uproar, or at least it had Tony La Russa, the White Sox manager, in an uproar and upset the Minnesota Twins. I, I know there's differing opinions about this so i'm talking now so i'll give mine first if if you're mean how to take sign that's one thing i i know that was larusa said that i kind of doubt that was actually the case but if you had a take sign that's one thing that's that's disregarding your managers um you know and not doing what they asked you to do if he didn't uh, then it's fair game i mean you're you decided to put a position player on the mound you know, live with the consequences if he gets taken deep and don't be upset about it when when that happens. But th- that's my quick analysis on it. Fred, I'll, I'll go to you first on it. Get your your thoughts on the situation. I think we're in exactly the same place. If uh, and I said this on Twitter the other night, if you're if if the managers told you, look, we're killing them. Let's not swing three zero. Let's not. Let's not make them look bad. 
we're here. We want respect. Let's give them a little respect and not swing 3-0. If he said that and the third base coach reinforced that and the kid swung, then he needs to be talked to. That's the first part. The second part is you don't talk to him. You don't say it on national television. It, it, he, he wants the player to take, uh, take responsibility for what he did. And this is coming from a guy who flashed his World Series ring to try to get out of a DUI. By the way, his second or third DUI over the years. And that's not a guy that takes responsibility for what he does, quite frankly. He shouldn't be managing in the first place. I lost all respect for Tony LaRusso when he came out of the Hall of Fame and took this job. Because when you're in the Hall of Fame, you shouldn't be managing. You can advise. You can assist. You can be a special advisor, a special coach. You can do all kinds of things, but stay off the field. That you're you're done. You've got your plaque. Quit. And Larusa started this off. There's rumblings that he's lost the clubhouse. Well, the White Sox are still winning, and generally you don't win a lot if the if the team doesn't get along with the manager. Now I'm certain they're upset with him, but I just thought this this was. I re, do you remember years ago when the catcher for uh, the San Diego bunted in the eighth inning or the ninth inning of a of a of a no hitter and he bunted for a hit and the other team were outraged outraged at that point I said he's still trying to win the game and you're only up by one run he gets to do what he wants to if you don't like it strike him out but everybody oh no you can't do that. Now they're going just the opposite way. we got to understand, as long as that man's on the mound and I'm trying to win a game, I remember the Indians coming back from like nine runs down and winning in the ninth inning with their beat two years ago. Well, I guess 15 years ago now, a long time. Anyway, um, I just think Kenny Lofton was on that team, so never mind. Uh, but if you can come back from nine runs down, you can come back from anything, guys. And and so if you're if you're out there, and you put a man on the field, and the game's on, it's fair game, unless I tell the player to, to do that, and then and he doesn't. So, I, you know, I'm over Tony La Russa. I'm over this argument, um, and, and I'm over these people saying there ought to be a mercy rule. These are professional baseball players. They shouldn't yeah. be getting beat 15 to nothing. If, they're not, if they don't have the, the, the ability to play at this level, find people who do. Find people who do, who want to, who want to win and aren't going to get beat 15 nothing. When a team gets beat 15 to nothing over and over again, as happened to a couple teams this year, they're not trying. And the reason there's a reason they're not trying, and it's in the clubhouse and in the dugout. Fix that, get it over with, get it off the board, and play ball at the same level. Uh, and and just this, we're not. This isn't little league for Christ's sake. Stop. Just stop. Yeah, Alan. The other other part of this too is the idea of putting position players on the mound. When you've done that, you've you've waved the white flag essentially, right? I mean, we've seen it happen in a Braves game this year. They brought in Anthony Rizzo. I don't I don't like the position player coming to the mound. I I think it's bad for the game. I think it's I think it's an insult to the game. Honestly, I know it. I know a lot of fans love it and uh, find it exciting. I personally don't, um, but I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. The idea of bringing position players in the mound uh, out to pitch. I mean, we have every bullpen has a Josh Tomlin in there that can come in and and eat those garbage innings. I mean, you don't, you shouldn't have to bring in, you know, the Anthony Rizzo's, Wilson Castillo's of, of the world, and and try to mop up these games just to just save an inning for your bullpen. 
but I like Williams on Studio. So yeah. yeah. Now, um, there's there's another aspect to this that that does have to be mentioned, and that's the fact that sometimes you do get in a bad position with your bullpen and the the usage of of your your guys out there, and you want to save some arms for the next day or the day after. Perhaps it's also because of what happened the day before, um, and and you you really need to save an arm or two and. Sometimes it does take a position player pitching so that you can add a little perhaps levity to the situation. Yeah, you're, you're not really taking the rest of the game seriously and such. Yeah, I get that part of it. But at the same time, um, your, your team's getting their brains beat in. Stick a guy out there who wants to, to try an inning and see what he can do and, and everybody have a good laugh over it and, and, and then they'll feel better about themselves at the end of the day and come back and, and be ready to, to lace them up again tomorrow. So there, there is that aspect of it that, uh, does help a team in a bad situation like that. Uh, at the same time, what the Cubs do the other day, they put three different position players in at, at the same inning or something. It's like, okay, one, one's enough. <laughs> let, let, let's not get silly here and, and really go, go crazy here. Dave Ross, you, you don't need to go that, that much. Uh, I generally would be reticent to use a position player myself unless it really came down to being almost necessary, uh, necessary to protect my bullpen from further damage or anything else like that, or, or maybe the psyche of a young kid who might uh, be thrown to the wolves otherwise. Because, I mean, w- when you're down 15 nothing or something like that, uh, when and these things are happening, then you've gotten to the point where the other team is so relaxed, they're practically looking at anybody going out there as uh, throwing batting practice to them. So uh, it, it's not going to matter who you throw out there from the bullpen. They're going to get hit because the team, the other team is re- ready, relaxed, and, and just uh, teeing off on everything they see. So uh, th- this thing does happen, and there, there's a, uh, some reasons, at least some baseball reasons that uh, I can conjure up here to to explain it and 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 justify it somewhat. Well, that's, yeah, that's I want there there is that, but the major but MLB put in that rule where you had to de- name your pit your position player who was going to pitch, and that was the point of it was to stop all of this, and then they relaxed the rule because of the COVID nineteen situation, and they left it relaxed for this year, but. The, the roster rules, as they were set up two years ago, before everything went to hell in a handbag, was that the team had to decide who was which position players they were going to be able to use to pitch, and they had yeah. to name them ahead of time, and they had to be identified on the roster, and you couldn't use anybody else essentially. That yeah, was per- designed. That was designed to stop stop these four and five and six position players from coming into a game and still give them an out. I understand that, and I, I like the the reasoning behind it. But at the same time, I'm also generally against telling a manager what you can do with your roster or your players uh, in as part of winning a game. That's not what we're talking about here, really. But when you start ta- doing things like uh, uh, saying you can only use certain players at certain times or 
position them on the field certain ways, I think that that gets into a dangerous area, and which is also why I'm not real uh, a big fan of the idea of limiting shifts on the field. I don't want them to limit shifts either. Uh, I, I did some research for another place that I write uh, where uh, the the best thing that we could do right now is is to actually do something that that MLB came up with, and I'm, I'm thinking this is Theo Epstein doing this, is, is move, move the mound back a foot. And you say, well, a foot isn't very far, but I calculated that it makes a 96-mile-an-hour 90, fastball look like a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. And if that happens, then you get more hitting and more balls in play. Uh, and the pitchers can complain all they want about, you're always doing something for us, you're always doing something for the pitchers, and you're not doing anything for the hitters. I mean, the hitters complain that you're doing everything for the pitchers. But the point of the game is to score runs, and you can't do that when the pitchers are striking out nine, nine people a game, and, and you're, and, and you're not hitting anything, pop-ups and ground balls. If they move the, move the rubber back a foot, just one foot, it will take enough, it will give them an extra, amount of milliseconds to see the ball and hit the ball, that's the equivalent of dropping the, dropping the speed uh, four or five miles an hour. So I, I'm, that's, I, I thought I would hate that idea, but the math tells me it, it will work. And so I'm willing to do that because I'm tired of people swinging for the fences and striking out uh, and, and just looking pathetic at the plate uh, when Garrett Cole throws 97 at the letters and they just swing and look like the garden gate. But that might require more position players if they, there's more offense, uh, more position players pitching. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think <laughs> I, my, my position all along is we have too many damn teams with players who don't belong in the major leagues now. Yeah, that's that's another whole topic, but I'm on you, board with that too. Take, yeah, take the quad A players out of the major league and get rid of the teams that are get and redistribute the people around and. and have teams out there that have real major league talent on them and you will get rid of that. Yeah. So we're fixing all the baseball's issues here. Hopefully Rob Amford is, uh, is listening here, but I, I'm, yeah, I think we've gone kind of full circle on it too. I, you know, hit, our pitchers are definitely dominating and it seems like baseball is probably going to make another adjustment to try to flip it back the other way. Um, but, Again, I, I don't know exactly what the answer is there. I know I don't love the the game today as it is. Uh, certainly love the players, love talent. I watch multiple games every night. Still love the sport, but definitely the direction that the game is going. And I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to get on another rant here if I keep talking about this. But I, I put it more on the hitters and just their unwillingness and their stubbornness to adjust uh, to, to what the pitchers are doing. I think it's lazy on the part of the hitters for the most part. But, uh, again, I'm not up there trying to hit 97 that's running in on you. So, uh, you know, who am I Who am I to call the hitters lazy at this point? So the last thing I want to talk about just for on the Braves aspect is just a little minor league update. Obviously, minor league season is rolling around now. Uh, Michael Harris is tearing it up down at Rome. Uh, hitting well over 300. Seems like he's getting a couple of hits every game. So certainly love to see that. Again, I think he's one of the, the better prospects in the Brave system. I know he got a lot of praise this last, last offseason. It's probably going to start shooting up some prospect rankings here. Uh, Drew Waters is heating up as well. Got off to a slow start, uh, but he's been hitting the ball much better. Still don't think he's ready to be called up. I know a lot of fans are, are Twitter and the Twitterverse are, are begging for him to get called up, but 
give give the kids some more time. Let them develop down there in AAA. Uh, I wouldn't rush him up there by any means. And then Spencer Strider, the Braves' fourth-round pick from last year, uh, pitched the other night, went three and two-thirds innings, but struck out ten batters and didn't allow a hit. Obviously, a lot of teams are being cautious with the innings limits on some of their pitchers, especially pitchers that weren't able to pitch. Uh, so he's making great year. strides. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, look at look at that. Uh, look at Fred. Uh, and then Shea Langoliers was added to the uh, Baseball America Top 100 prospect list. So uh, he's starting to climb up prospect boards as well. Uh, he's down in Mississippi right now, not hitting uh, too great. Well, I shouldn't say that. he's got an OPS over 900. The average isn't quite there, uh, but got a really high OPS. And obviously, we know uh, he's great behind the plate. Possibly could see him uh, next year uh, with the Braves. Uh, so some promising things happening down on the farm. But that will do it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate all these subscriptions uh, for the podcast. Make sure that you check out the website, TomahawkTake.com, where you can see articles from all of us and a lot of other great talented writers that we have on staff there. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been the No Rant Ever Goes Unpunished edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. It's a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants because Minute Media really doesn't care. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Fuzzball Parade. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by tomhawkdick.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today, and hey, the Pirates just proved that it does not take a 15-0 score to reach the threshold for a position player pitching. 12-zip will do just fine. But as our own podcast roster is limited, we'll be back out for the next inning. See y'all then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.